chapter forty eight of monsieur lecoq part two this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by tony oliva monsieur lecoq by emile gaborio part two chapter forty eight the reason of madame blanche had sustained a frightful shock when chupin was obliged to lift her and carry her from marianne's chamber but she lost consciousness entirely when she saw the old poacher stricken down by her side on and after that night aunt medea took her revenge for all the slights she had received scarcely tolerated until then at courtomieu she henceforth made herself respected and even feared she who usually swooned if a kitten hurt itself did not utter a cry her extreme fear gave her the courage that not unfrequently animates cowards when they are in some dire extremity she seized the arm of her bewildered niece and by dint of dragging and pushing had her back at the chateau in much less time than it had taken them to go to the borderie it was half-past one o'clock when they reached the little garden gate by which they had left the grounds no one in the chateau was aware of their long absence this was due to several different circumstances first to the precautions taken by blanche who had given orders before going out that no one should come to her room on any pretext whatever unless she rang it also chanced to be the birthday of the marquise valet de chambre the servants had dined more sumptuously than usual they had toasts and songs over their dessert and at the conclusion of the repast they amused themselves by an extempore ball they were still dancing at half-past one all the doors were open and the two ladies succeeded in gaining the chamber of blanche without being observed when the doors of the apartment had been securely closed and when there was no longer any fear of listeners aunt medea attacked her niece now will you explain what happened at the borderie and what you were doing there she inquired blanche shuddered why do you wish to know she asked cause i suffered agony during the three hours that i spent in waiting for you what was the meaning of those despairing cries that i heard why did you call for aid i heard a death rattle that made my hair stand on end with terror why was it necessary for chupin to bring you out in his arms aunt medea would have packed her trunks perhaps that very evening had she seen the glance which her niece bestowed upon her blanche longed for power to annihilate this relative this witness who might ruin her by a word but whom she would ever have beside her a living reproach for her crime you do not answer me insisted aunt medea blanche was trying to decide whether it would be better for her to reveal the truth horrible as it was or to invent some plausible explanation to confess all it would be intolerable she would place herself body and soul in aunt medea's power but on the other hand if she deceived her was it not more than probable that her aunt would betray her by some involuntary exclamation when she heard of the crime which had been committed at the borderie for she is so stupid thought blanche she felt that it would be the wisest plan under such circumstances to be perfectly frank to teach her relative her lesson and to imbue her with some of her own firmness having come to this conclusion she disdained all concealment ah 
well she said i was jealous of marianne i thought she was martial's mistress i was half crazed and i killed her she expected despairing cries or a fainting fit nothing of the kind stupid though aunt medea was she had divined the truth before she interrogated her niece besides the insults she had received for years had extinguished every generous sentiment dried up the springs of emotion and destroyed every particle of moral sensibility she had ever possessed oh she exclaimed it is terrible what if it should be discovered then she shed a few tears but not more than she had often wept for some trifle blanche breathed more freely surely she could count upon the silence and absolute submission of her dependent relative convinced of this she began to recount all the details of the frightful drama which had been enacted at the borderie she yielded to a desire which was stronger than her own will to the wild longing that sometimes unbinds the tongue of the worst criminals and forces them irresistibly impels them to talk of their crimes even when they distrust their confidant but when she came to the proofs which had convinced her of her lamentable mistake she suddenly paused in dismay that certificate of marriage signed by the cure of vigano what had she done with it where was it she remembered holding it in her hands she sprang up examined the pocket of her dress and uttered a cry of joy she had it safe she threw it into a drawer and turned the key aunt medea wished to retire to her own room but blanche entreated her to remain she was unwilling to be left alone she dared not she was afraid and as if she desired to silence the inward voice that tormented her she talked with extreme volubility repeating again and again that she was ready to do anything in expiation of her crime and that she would brave impossibilities to recover marianne's child and certainly the task was both difficult and dangerous if she sought the child openly it would be equivalent to a confession of guilt she would be compelled to act secretly and with great caution but i shall succeed she said i will spare no expense and remembering her vow and the threats of her dying victim she added i must succeed i have sworn and i was forgiven under those conditions astonishment dried the ever-ready tears of aunt medea that her niece with her dreadful crime still fresh in her mind could coolly reason deliberate and make plans for the future seemed to her incomprehensible what an iron will she thought but in her bewilderment she quite overlooked something that would have enlightened any ordinary observer blanche was seated upon her bed her hair was unbound her eyes were glittering with delirium and her incoherent words and her excited gestures betrayed the frightful anxiety that was torturing her and she talked and talked exclaiming questioning aunt medea and forcing her to reply only that she might escape from her own thoughts morning had dawned some time before and the servants were heard bustling about the chateau and blanche oblivious to all around her was still explaining how she could in less than a year restore marianne's child to maurice d'escorval she paused abruptly in the middle of a sentence 
instinct had suddenly warned her of the danger she incurred in making the slightest change in her habits she sent aunt medea away then at the usual hour rang for her maid it was nearly eleven o'clock and she was just completing her toilet when the ringing of the bell announced a visitor almost immediately a maid appeared evidently in a state of great excitement what is it inquired blanche eagerly who has come ah madame that is mademoiselle if you only knew will you speak the marquis de sairmeuse is below in the blue drawing-room and he begs mademoiselle to grant him a few moments conversation had a thunderbolt riven the earth at the feet of the murderess she could not have been more terrified all must have been discovered this was her first thought that alone would have brought martial there she almost decided to reply that she was not at home or that she was extremely ill but reason told her that she was alarming herself needlessly perhaps and that in any case the worst was preferable to suspense tell the marquis that i will be there in a moment she replied she desired a few minutes of solitude to compose her features to regain her self-possession if possible and to conquer the nervous trembling that made her shake like a leaf but just as she was most disquieted by the thought of her peril a sudden inspiration brought a malicious smile to her lip ah she thought my agitation will seem perfectly natural it may even be of service as she descended the grand staircase she could not help saying to herself martial's presence here is incomprehensible it was certainly very extraordinary and it had not been without much hesitation that he resolved upon this painful step but it was the only means of procuring several important documents which were indispensable in the revision of m d'escorval's case these documents after the baron's condemnation had been left in the hands of the marquis de courtornieu now that he had lost his reason it was impossible to ask him for them and martial was obliged to apply to the daughter for permission to search for them among her father's papers this was why martial said to himself that morning i will carry the baron's safe conduct to marianne and then i will push on to courtornieu he arrived at the borderie gay and confident his heart full of hope alas marianne was dead no one would ever know what a terrible blow it had been to martial and his conscience told him that he was not free from blame that he had at least rendered the execution of the crime an easy matter for it was indeed he who by abusing his influence had caused the arrest of maurice at turin but though he was capable of the basest perfidy when his love was at stake he was incapable of virulent animosity marianne was dead he had it in his power to revoke the benefits he had conferred but the thought of doing so never once occurred to him and when jean and maurice insulted him he revenged himself only by overwhelming them with his magnanimity when he left the borderie pale as a ghost his lips still cold from the kiss pressed on the brow of the dead he said to himself for her sake i will go to courtornieu in memory of her the baron must be saved by the expression on the faces of the valets when he dismounted in the courtyard of the chateau and asked to see madame blanche the marquis was again reminded of the profound sensation which this unexpected visit would produce 
but what did it matter to him he was passing through one of those crises in which the mind can conceive of no further misfortune and is therefore indifferent to everything still he trembled when they ushered him into the blue drawing-room he remembered the room well it was here that blanche had been wont to receive him in the days gone by when his fancy was vacillating between her and marianne how many pleasant hours they had passed together here he seemed to see blanche again as she was then radiant with youth gay and laughing her naivete was affected perhaps but was it any the less charming on that account at this very moment blanche entered the room she looked so careworn and sad that he scarcely knew her his heart was touched by the look of patient sorrow imprinted upon her features how much you must have suffered blanche he murmured scarcely knowing what he said it cost her an effort to repress her secret joy she saw that he knew nothing of her crime she noticed his emotion and saw the profit she could derive from it i can never cease to regret having displeased you she replied humbly and sadly i shall never be consoled she had touched the vulnerable spot in every man's heart for there is no man so sceptical so cold or so blasé that his vanity is not pleased with the thought that a woman is dying for his sake there is no man who is not moved by this most delicious flattery and who is not ready and willing to give at least a tender pity in exchange for such devotion is it possible that you could forgive me stammered martial the wily enchantress averted her face as if to prevent him from reading in her eyes a weakness of which she was ashamed it was the most eloquent of replies but martial said no more on this subject he made known his petition which was granted then fearing perhaps to promise too much he said since you do not forbid it blanche i will return to-morrow another day as he rode back to montaignac martial's thoughts were busy she really loves me he thought that pallor that weakness could not be feigned poor girl she is my wife after all the reasons that influenced me in my rupture with her father exists no longer and the marquis de coutomieu may be regarded as dead all the inhabitants of sermeuse were congregated on the public square when martial passed through the village they had just heard of the murder at the borderie and the abbe was now closeted with the justice of the peace relating the circumstances of the poisoning after a prolonged inquest the following verdict was rendered that a man known as chupin a notoriously bad character had entered the house of marianne lacheneur and taken advantage of her absence to mingle poison with her food the report added that said chupin had been himself assassinated soon after his crime by a certain balstin whose whereabouts were unknown but this this affair interested the community much less than the visits which martial was paying to madame blanche it was soon rumored that the marquis and the marquise de sermeuse were reconciled and in a few weeks they left for paris with the intention of residing there permanently a few days after their departure the eldest of the chupins announced his determination of taking up his abode in the same great city some of his friends endeavored to dissuade him assuring him that he would certainly die of starvation nonsense he replied with singular assurance i on the contrary have an idea that i shall not want for anything there end of chapter forty eight recording by tony oliva albuquerque new mexico